fire tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danu Naki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe, hey So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at, wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up, ayy uh, Rising from the ashes Right? I mean, that's so fascinating I'm so curious about the Tartaria now <laughs> Hey everybody, this is the homie Romy I have a secret surprise for you I fucked up again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, the internet randomly went out on the farm during one of the best interviews I would think that we've ever had so far. They're monitoring everything. I mean, maybe it was just because we booked it for like 8 in the morning and we were both just waking up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed getting told about aliens. Uh... <laughs> and Lemuria and red crystals and hypnosis and all of the things but this interview was great and um yeah my audio just got completely butchered got completely taken out um because of the strange technical issue while we're talking about uh aliens and such so you gotta love it right Anyways, um, I know you guys are going to enjoy this. I put some music behind it, chopped it up. You still got Dan in there rocking it. And um, yeah, everybody, uh, we're going to have another interview with Sarah Breskman coming up here. It'll be full. It'll be great. But here's a little sneak preview for you guys. Thank you and enjoy. Today we're here with the author of The Hypnosis Journey to Atlantis, Sarah Breskman Cosme. How you doing, Sarah? Great, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, it was, uh, I, was, I heard you on another podcast. I can't even remember the name of that podcast right now. Do you remember what I said? I think you said Cult of Conspiracy. Okay, shout out to Cult of Conspiracy podcast. Um, yeah. And I heard you on there and I was like, oh, because, you know, when I started doing stuff for Atlantis and Maria and we start talking and having these conversations I like to try to just find other podcasts that are talking about the same type of, types of things to get inspired and when I heard you on there I was like oh my god we have to get her on the show for this month because it's just a whole different type of connection to the ancient world you know it's not agri or architectural it's not myths from dead philosophers it's not it's not any of that it's it's something more spiritual and divine coming through and i was like that's that's another angle that we got to go check out so thank you very much for coming on the show and doing this today with us thank you so much happy to share if it can help people definitely yeah Mm-hmm. 
did. Or, and I'm getting ready to do the second book that I have in a little while. Oh, a hypnotist's book. journey to the secrets of the Sphinx. Oh. But see, all these things come from people's memories while they're deep under hypnosis. And hypnosis isn't anything that woo-woo, really. It's just deep focused concentrations. Basically, you're just focusing deep on yourself and you can uncover anything in that way because every human is like this book of knowledge. And just when you focus and you bring all your focus into yourself, you can find out anything. It's all there. So it's a little woo-woo, but anybody can do it. You can just keep yourself in that state when you wake up in the morning and you still have access to your dream. That's the theta state. That's deep hypnosis. Stay in that state and and try to prolong it and see what you can get, what kind of information you can get, and just listen really deeply to your dream. A lot of these vivid dreams are actually past life memories. They're very different than a regular dream. They're vivid and they catch your attention in a different way. It's almost like when you're being visited by one of your relatives that's passed on, the dream is different. You feel it so deeply, it's vivid. And that's an actual visual visitation, you know what I mean? But a tip that you could start doing is definitely have something where you can write down the information after, or like a recorder, because that's so key. Get used to that state, you know, what it feels like. Because it it feels like you're still awake in a sense, and you feel like you're always going to remember the dream. But just get used to that state, because you're not always going to remember it. It's going to fade as soon as you wake up. But once you get used to that state, you can kind of feel what it feels like to get in that state. And then in the morning, try to prolong it. And amazing things can happen to you. I mean, first of all, it's really great for your immune system boost your immune system you start to build this connection with your internal monologue you know and you can really connect with your higher self that way so it's something really easy anybody can do but and it really doesn't take that much to really get that feeling and then it's like a shortcut to deep meditation there you go you're a meditator you know I was shocked because when I was away, I 
forgotten to have my problems. I mean, I had forgotten to have all my problems. I lost a ton of weight. I had forgotten to have all these fears and phobias. And I was in so much shock <laughs> because I couldn't believe that after all these years of therapy, I hadn't done anything as far as healed myself. In fact, some of my problems got worse just by talking about them. And then all of a sudden I'm healed. I'm like completely changed. And all I did, and I saw, it was like this amazing revelation to me. All I did was I changed my environment, which caused me to change the patterns of my thoughts. And that changed my life. And that's basically what you do in hypnosis or in these sessions. But it was so shocking to me. And after that experience, I continued, I graduated, but after that experience, you know, it really changed the way I thought about my thoughts. And then I got a job, a regular job, um, before going to graduate school, um, where I would give people medications and counsel them, just like one of those typical, you know, jobs. And it didn't take me long, maybe a week, where I felt like every single thing I had learned in school was a lie. That's the that's how I felt because I was basically drugging these people and they would come in, say it was seven in the morning, my shift started at seven in the morning. I was the one that gave them their medications. And it was within maybe 40, yeah. And they were beautiful people. They were people with issues, you know, just like me. And here I was just drugging them. And I thought, wow, is this the leading cutting edge of how we help people now? It felt like a total lie. It felt so wrong. There were no success stories. I mean, to be honest, nobody came in and left better. They would come in and there was no, um, they weren't told the truth. They would come in, they would get one med medication for one issue. And we all knew that these had huge side effects. So they would have to get more medication. And eventually most of the people there had like 20 different medications. And this was it. This was how we were supposed to help these people. So I quit that job and I thought there must be something better out there to help people. And then I found hypnosis. And so I started out just doing regular hypnosis and doing lose weight, quit smoking and past life regression because that's what you basically did back, back then. And it didn't take me long. I mean, I saw right away that there was something huge about the past life regression where people could come in and they could actually heal themselves. And I've always wanted to do something that worked and help people. And I thought, this is incredible. So I studied with Dr. Brian Weiss in New York. And then I did his method for a while until I felt like something was missing. So I, I actually contacted a psychic and she said, oh my gosh, Sarah, this is the easiest reading I've ever done. I mean, most people have different future potentials, but you're, you're missing something because you're supposed to do this Dolores Cannon QHHT and and I had never heard of Dolores Cannon and then the psychic said yeah I mean you're gonna get really good at that you're gonna start teaching it you're gonna going to write books and then you're gonna be speaking about it all over the world you're this is the easiest reading I've ever done and I thought man the psychic is terrible she must have gotten me confused <laughs> with the person before or something and I'll just you know be polite and listen and I didn't think anything of it until I stumbled finally upon Dolores Cannon's work. And it was like the goosebumps, you know, I knew it, it clicked. 
and it was exactly what I had been looking for. And this is the method that I do and the method I use to write my books. Um, and turned out, and I emailed the psychic, she's amazing, her name's Emma McIntosh, because people always want to know. She's incredible. Um, I emailed her, wow, you are really good, because all these things are what I'm doing right now. I ended up teaching it, and then um, I ended up traveling around the world with Dolores Cannon's daughter, teaching it all over the world. Then um, I wrote some books so far, and I'm continuing, and I'm speaking about it. So, wow. <laughs> that's how I got into this, by accident. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Your dream. Oh my gosh, definitely. Well, I only put um, information in the book that I'm allowed to share, obviously, because it's very confidential. Um, what a... I also changed their names, except for the main subject that I was working with, Jen. She has also written her own book called Child of the Universe, so that's her actual name. Those are her actual memories. But it's interesting that you went to Hawaii because there's so many people back again on the planet right now that either lived, had a past lifetime that they're very connected to in Lemuria, which is located close to, or in that area of Hawaii, the South Pacific or Atlantis because we're at a point in our history again where we're repeating the cycle but just moving past it because humanity doesn't evolve in a straight line it evolves in cycles so we do things in that way to do better and better and better but it triggers so many of us to go either back to Hawaii for a little bit to reconnect with that area that energy it's healing or you know Atlantis I'm still stuck to Atlantis, but I still have work to do here. <laughs> sure. Well, Atlantis spanned for thousands and thousands of years, and I was mostly reporting on the very end times of Atlantis because they're the most important to what's going on now. But Atlantis originated from an extraterrestrial who crash-landed his ship in the Utah area in a quarry. And he couldn't get his uh, ship um, fixed enough to be able to connect with his home planet. And he didn't have enough technology from the ship to be able to basically do anything. So he, what technology he did salvage, he was able to travel from one of the ancient transport devices. The same things that you see in Stonehenge, those stone circles, they were basically set up to be used as an ancient transport device where you could travel from one of those areas through the earth, through the ley lines to another. And he was able to end up in the place that you would call Atlantis. This was the founder of the most recent Atlantis. Um, and when he arrived there, he luckily found technology left over from an earlier group of extraterrestrials. And with this technology, he was able to build civilizations, but it wasn't yet enough that he could connect with his home planet. So he wanted to basically uh, create what he had on his home planet, which was the same type of technology. This extraterrestrial was chosen for this mission to Earth because he knew how to set up these grids, these energy system grids, and knew how to set up a city like that. So he created the city basically in the image of 
what he had on his home planet. And many of my clients will recount or will even go to parallel lifetimes where this type of technology is still on other planets. So that's why Atlantis was set up the way it, it was. And there was an imbalance in the way Atlantis was running towards the end. There was so much masculine um, control, power, that it kind of suppressed the divine feminine to the point where there was no balance between the masculine and feminine. And that was one of the biggest issues that they had, basically. But now we're seeing this balancing again. You can see that the the suppression of the feminine is not working as much anymore. There's a rebalancing occurring. And that's why we're doing so much better in our current timeline than we did back in Atlantis. But, you know, the whole story of Atlantis and Lemuria was so surprising to me because as I was getting all this information from my client named Jen, I had never really heard about this before. I always thought Atlantis was this beautiful place and that these people were really highly advanced spiritually. Well, I think that they were to some degree earlier and in the earlier times of Atlantis. I mean, even some of my clients will recount this um, beautiful existence with mermaids, which at first was a little shocking to me, but apparently they would do trades where the mermaids and the humans would do trades and they were it was a beautiful time and people were happy and free until the founder, this last founder, took over and created human hybrid slaves. And there was a lot of that going on as well. They're very connected to nature. They 
you know, they have this deep spiritual knowing and it's not something they ever needed to learn. It's something that they know and they're very kind and compassionate people that want to help other people. And and then you also have the people that remember Atlantis. You know, they, they're the first one to buy the iPhone, you know, or the new technology. They love technology, but yet, you know, they also are, a lot of them are very triggered with what's going on right now, especially when it came to, you know, the virus and the, you know, the other thing because they have this feeling like this has happened before <laughs> it seems very familiar something about this has happened before because it, it because it has yeah it's uh <clears throat> crazy man <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I have a fear of water so I was kind of thinking about all those things and not necessarily like a fear of water to uh, I don't to that extent where I'm like ah water yeah I can take a bath I can take a shower I can go to a swimming pool and all that but I have a fear of like going out into the ocean and swimming and stuff like that I I'm not cool with that I also don't swim in pools in the deep end because I I don't I don't know how to tread water or whatever uh, yeah. Well, I used to, uh, I used to like bodyboard or whatever when I was little and I almost drowned. Oh. And so, so I just stayed away from the water after that. But, uh, I think that's where the trauma comes from, not from necessarily Lemuria or Atlantis. <laughs> but, I mean, she said that it creates really tribal people that like to be one with nature. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe that is me. <laughs> maybe I am Lemuria. They're supposed to find their tribe again, you know, because so many of us, we have this feeling like, oh, I recognize you a little bit. Or, you know, they're, the Lemurians are back again to recreate Lemuria again. Because when you are living a life and you don't get to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish or there's a deep desire to um, bring something back, you'll find a way to get that thing in a different lifetime if you, you know, if you don't get it in the one you're in. It's that, it's that, uh, that desire, that, that want, that's so, that's also looking for you, too. So, there's so many people back again. Yeah, so, when, when you started doing hip, hypnosis on people and doing these past life regressions, was, like, Lemuria and Atlantis something that just, like, started popping up and you're like, hey... I'm going to just kind of ask different people about this, or was it like people were telling you about these stories just from you doing your everyday work, and you're like, maybe there's something more here. And, and how many people, different people, have you had talked to so far that have had um, kind of tales of Lemuria or Atlantis in their, in their regressions? So this is the weird thing. I started working with my main client, Jen, who was my friend. Um, I just wanted to help her and I also wanted to use her video submission for this class that I was taking. And she knew nothing about this stuff before. I mean, she had no conscious knowledge of Atlantis or Lemuria, but she had a brain condition. So she wanted to heal her brain condition. So she agreed to be my subject, my hypnosis subject. But I knew she wasn't into any of this stuff because I had been friends with her for 10 years 
and I was just on the spot. I needed somebody right away, so I asked her. And in our first session, again, she didn't know any of this stuff. She was actually a teacher at the kids' school, so she had a scientific background. In our first session, under hypnosis, she remembered a past life where she lived in Lemuria, and it was a beautiful existence. She was actually part of the ruling family. She was taken as a prisoner because they wouldn't give the Atlanteans what they needed, and their whole civilization was destroyed, and she lived for 60 years as a prisoner in Atlantis. And when we first started getting this information, I really didn't think anything of it. I'd heard about Atlantis and Lemuria, and I just thought, well, this is a great session. After her session, she healed herself completely, so she was excited about that. And I passed my class, and I didn't really think too much about it. But I, this weird thing started happening. So I, all of a sudden, or it had even begun before my session with Jen, I was getting a lot of clients who, under hypnosis, they would regress back to these same lifetimes, the same time period. It would be either Atlantis or Lemuria, or Lemuria or Atlantis. And I thought this was just what other practitioners were experiencing. And I would ask people, hey, do you get a lot of people regressing back to these same time periods? And my coworker, or my colleagues would say, no, that's a weird coincidence. And I thought it was just a coincidence at first and until it became very apparent that it wasn't a coincidence, that I was just supposed to report on this because one after another after another, and I don't really know how many people um, in total, but I only used a few for um, the book. But I even had somebody in 2016 come in and regress to this past lifetime where he was living in quarantine in this civilization that was very advanced. And there was a virus and there was a dictator and, you know, it was really interesting. And he could see the cars hovering with the same technology. I didn't even know that that was Atlantis in his session. And so all these things fit together to tell a story because basically I'm not the writer of these books. <laughs> I'm just the humble messenger. It's as if the higher consciousness has a message and they want to get it out through my clients, basically. But I know that it doesn't take much for somebody to heal, um, heal on many different levels. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but have you ever read something or you heard about some information and it affects you so greatly that you've just healed like layers of your trauma without having to do anything. That's basically the reason why I wrote these books because people don't have to remember this you know, in depth themselves. They can just either hear about it, read about it. And I know this is true because it happened to me once. I had a client that remembered me in her past lifetime and this um, issue that I had with my shoulder had some trauma in that lifetime. Anyway, it went away just from hearing this information. So I already know because people have reported to me that they've healed certain things just by reading the book or listening to it or even, you know, just hearing the story. So that's the biggest reason I'm doing this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Definitely, that's what the body does. It's there to help us. So any issue with the body is just a message. I mean, most of the time people with a lower back issue, it's a feeling of lack of support. You know, the right side of the body is what's going on right now. The left side is usually the past, maybe even a past lifetime. The eyes, you know, 
blurry eyesight, you don't want to see things clearly. And if you take that even a step further, accidents are oftentimes a message, you're not going down the right path, it's just to get your attention. It's all there to help you because, and like you said, it's this other part of you. There's a part of you that people call the higher self is what you tap into in these sessions that never fully physically incarnates, but it's like watching over you, trying to get you, sending you messages constantly, like repeating numbers or whatever, and just trying to get you on the right path, <laughs> helping you out. But really, ultimately, when you talk to these like higher beings or these extraterrestrials, they'll say, you know, the secret of life is that this is just a game you know this is a game we wanted to be in this game in this 3d reality to have a real experience you know but really that's not who we are we're just having this feeling of being in this game but the truth is that we're really like part of an ancient grouping of beings and we've all we're all part of it and we've all traveled from like planet to planet and we want to see what the next thing and the next thing will bring, you know, so that we can never stop evolving. But when you leave this lifetime, you go to the in-between lives, like all my clients do after I bring them through the death process. They see that these worlds were just created for these experiences and everything is known again. So when you're here, you're just here to play this game and have this experience. It's really not that serious, but it feels that way.
made them immune. They wanted these special crystals from the Lemurians, but the Lemurians told them, look, we can't give you these crystals. We can't give you this immunity because it was a gift to us. They got the Atlanteans, so eventually the Atlanteans got very mad when they couldn't get what they wanted. And that's when they took um, the queen as a prisoner and then destroyed everything with these atomic-like devices. They set off in rifts under the ocean, which is why it was able to destroy all of Lemuria, because this wasn't, regu this wasn't a regular tidal wave at all. This was a very highly advanced tidal wave. There were two of them, and they created a whirlpool which sunk the entire island. But they started to develop a vaccine, of course. Well, they had many vaccines during that time, but they were different. It was like a slit in the arm where they would put this putty-like material, I mean, the um, vaccine ingredients in there, and then they would cover it up with this putty-like substance. And um, during that time, at first, it seemed like a huge success and people were able to come out of their quarantine. The virus actually stopped. They were able to go about their lives and everything seemed fantastic. And then it wasn't until the first set of babies started being born with the animal-like side effects because they were using animal DNA in these vaccines. And, oh, yeah. <laughs>
perception. Like he could still see, but he saw in a different way. Wow. See, this information is coming through so many different avenues because it's in the subconscious. And that's why what's going on right now, or especially in the past two years, was super triggering for a lot of people that kind of have this memory of being in Atlantis towards the final days. It's like, this has happened before. (laughs) I just know it, you know, and that's why it's so triggering for a lot of people. But what we didn't do in Atlantis was we didn't recognize that these disabilities were leading to abilities and starting to celebrate them almost and I feel like that's we're on the precipice of that now I mean even what my clients deep under hypnosis say about ADHD I mean that's like a huge ability according to the subconscious they can flow with a different um, thought train you know train basically they can think greater than uh, other people so here they're labeled as you know having a disability, these children with ADHD, but they're actually supposed to think greater than everybody to show them a different perspective of things. And so I think that in the future, you know, we're starting to see things more clearly. Yeah. Um, she probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> You have, you have some ADHD going on. Well, you're lucky. Well, you should be. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, well, one of the interesting things is, is when you were uh, talking to Jen about Lemuria and, and other people, too, is uh, the, the other name that they called Lemuria, which was Amon. Uh-huh. Am I saying that right? Is that how they pronounce it? Uh and I never heard anybody call it Amon before. Uh, can, can you tell us any more of, like, about that name? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that's what it seemed that people used to call that place was Amon. And then it's so close to Amen. And yeah. I would ask Jen, hey, is this, a, you know, um, coincidence? And she said, no, there's something about that is to trigger that memory when you say amen I mean uh, your next book is going to be about the great sphinx so that's going to take us right into Egypt and there is the god there named Amen Ra which is very close to the same thing and the Amen or the Amen uh, I believe in the Egyptian it means the unseen one uh, because he was hidden away according to Zachariah Sitchin he was hitting they, they took him and put him in the pyramid uh, to, to keep him there as a prisoner and he became the Amen Ra and then the Amen meant that he was hidden away from uh, everybody else and so the fact that Lemuria is kind of hidden and not known about is, is an interesting play to that too um, but I had, it's all connected I had, yeah I had never heard about about that so that's super interesting um uh, you know, it's it's hard just to find anything on Lemuria. Um, did she? Did any of them talk about Mu, or use the word Mu as as in like that Lemuria and Mu were the same place, but uh, just said differently later, or like that there were different places altogether? No, some clients would call it Mu, some would call it Lemuria. Um, 
some would call it Amman, all meaning the same thing, the same place. But they always described it the same, like um, in the South Pacific. And when they would look at it when they were leaving their lifetime, everything looked so different. I mean, the water and coastlines were, and the land masses were in different locations. But it compassed what Easter Island, um, Easter Island is still there, but it was a part of Lemuria, um, apparently, according to clients. But it was in that area. It was large. Yeah, when we had Von Galt on, she was mentioning that it encompassed uh, the Philippines, too. And that the Philippines were once uh, more visible because they weren't little island chains. It was it was all part of a, uh, like a connected continent. But after the flood happened, it created all these little islands and everything from the different peaks that were originally there on that land. Definitely, yes. That's very confirming.
expresses itself apparently. Like clients will say, yeah, like hurricanes or fires or different things about the planet expressing itself or even breathing, you know, it does these yeah. things to cleanse itself. It's part of its own um, natural process and its own personality. Not I trying kinda, to hurt people, you know, just its own life. I kind of felt like the reason why they put all these temples and pyramids in these specific places and the were to harness those energies just kind of like acupuncture because the world was in such turmoil with all the cataclysm cataclysms that they wanted to uh, try to make it rest and be at ease so that way they could continue to leave, live without having to go through all of these uh, mad things you know earth destructions and stuff
that was there was an imbalance there as well. Both of those societies were somewhat unbalanced and they needed the balance. They needed to come together, but they failed to do that at that time. Sounds like a left brain and right brain problem. <laughs> uh, but it's also very reminiscent of the mythology of the Amazonian women and how they had a, a mostly female society, but they only used the men reproductive uh, need for needs like that, but they also weren't. Um, I think in the Amazonian, they were sexual with them only for the po- purpose of procreation. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, exactly. But this, this aspect of like no touch, right? Is no touch. Right. They weren't allowed to like do anything with them. They're only allowed to give their seed over for, uh, to continue life so I thought that was super interesting this was just for the rulers the rulers were oh. the ones with the RH negative blood which was the very divine bloodline the um, it signified the first um, the first success of being able to come from that planet to incarnate within a human body on the earth it was a very special bloodline they were the ruling party oh that's super confusing it's usually associated to uh, Caucasian people or whatnot, the ruling elites or whatever, uh, the kings and queens of England. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and so, because in the stories when they're describing, which is really interesting, you always ask them if they can see their feet. Uh, I guess, I guess, hey, shh, shh. Oh, man. negative blood have a special um, ability so whether they decide or they get you know convinced to use that for greed or not they still can use that ability (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) all right all right well one of the things that you ask them is you know can you see your feet and they describe their feet Interestingly, they all say they have white nail polish, toenail polish on. And another interesting thing... Oh, it's thing just is, white looking, I think. Because their uh, feet are very... Well, if you're talking about the ones in Lemuria, it seemed like they had a, yeah. tan, a tan skin. Yeah, and then they had, they, their nails looked kind of white. For yeah, some they reason. had darker skin. So that's why I was like, well, that makes the RH negative thing kind of weird because it's usually associated with... Caucasian people, but these people seem to not be Caucasian. They seem to be very uh, darker complected. So it, that's what makes me go, well, that's weird. How does that work out? So, uh, so yeah, how does that transfer over? Do you, or do you know? I mean, that's just what I've heard from sessions is that that's what the ruling party had was the RH negative blood. And not everybody at Lemuria had, I mean, RH negative blood. So, I, well, actually, maybe they did. I don't know. But all I knew from the sessions was that that's what the ruling party had. And that a lot of people from Atlantis had O blood. 
because that was like an Atlantean bloodline. And then the other bloodlines that you see are from different planets altogether. How, <laughs> how do you spell Amon? Oh, it's A-M-U-N. Oh, okay. Amon. Why? What does that mean? There's moo in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's moo in there. Sacrificial cow. Oh. Well, I was looking at the word Amazon. If you take the Z out of Amazon, that's Amazon. Oh, wow. See, it's all clues, I think. They're all clues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Some people will even remember being in the inner earth, and then there's many beings that use the inner earth to kind of clean up our soil, take care of our soil, and there's different groups that live in the inner earth that, um, you know, uh, communicate with one another, go through these tunnels, underground tunnels, systems, and stuff like that. Um, There's so much in the inner earth. It's like a different world down there. And then there's some races of beings that actually kind of have like their own world in the inner earth, it seems like with their own light source. So Antarctica was so fascinating because none of my clients would describe it with ice. They would always describe it the same way, just beautiful with rolling hills and it was green and it seemed like that was one of the very first uh, laboratories basically when they came to see this planet. And everybody that remembers being in Antarctica during this time has very fond memories of it, where they were like creating the people and the animals and stuff like that. It's the, it's the Abzu. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so funny! All these um, things tie together. That's so interesting. No. That's from the 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 Sumerian text is uh, Enki. It always goes to the faraway home in the Abzu, which is in the lower hemisphere of the planet. And it's usually talked about as the southern tip of uh, Africa, but really close to the southern tip of Africa is is Antarctica. So we've uh, sometimes speculated that maybe Antarctica was a place that he went and they just referred to it as like the southern tip of Africa. Interesting. Maybe it was touching or so- at some point or whatnot. But I was really careful not to, um, you know, I was really careful to use the actual words that would come through because you can kind of feel the difference. You can feel the energy coming through. And, I, and if I were to change words, I felt like that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same for people when they were to read it, you know. Yeah, I record all the sessions. It's different when I have like a paying client that's super confidential. Of course, I don't use that, but I, I'm so passionate. 
passionate about doing this and this is fun for me that I have different subjects that I use that you know I don't charge so we do a trade and I get to ask my own questions to the different beings that come through but I try to only use people that don't have conscious knowledge about it like people like Jen who didn't go study this stuff or you know somebody that isn't into any of this stuff because then the information is more valid or at least I can trust it you know better yeah so Roman keeps interrupting me so I'm gonna interrupt him real quick uh, because I'm trying I'm trying to get back yeah well you don't use it either uh, I'm trying to get back to that Antarctica situation and and maybe what I was talking about with when they're seeing their feet and describing what they look like they're also describing uh, what they're wearing and uh, one of the interesting things that you said is like almost like they wear like this snake skin yeah right? I thought that was interesting because um, it was like yellow some would describe themselves as having a yellow like snake skin and so it's different than what I thought they, the people there would wear yeah it's fascinating were they, were they a very mobile uh community were they like you know traveling places on ships or anything like that they so did they would um travel on wooden ships to different places and that's kind of how some of the lemurians that escaped the cataclysm ended up in mount shasta because it they uh, took about two months yeah i wanted to get into mount shasta too <laughs> took them about two months they were on the south side of lemuria the two waves that destroyed everything didn't completely sink the south side. And so um, they got in some ships, the ones that escaped weren't that many, but they escaped and took two months to get to uh, the Mount Shasta area. And then they eventually wanted to go inside somewhere to escape because they were so traumatized. So basically they created these tunnels and went into the mountain, which was also, um, interesting because there's still people living there now and many people have lived in Mount Shasta yeah lots of interesting stories coming from Sh Mount Shasta uh, we've, we've spoke about Lemuria before we have somebody that uh, lives in Hawaii that was a guest on the show and she's an intuitive and we asked her to see if she could try to connect to any uh, spirits there to see if she could you know uh, bring forth Lemuria and uh, she was somewhat able to, but she says she never had connection with Lemuria before, but she just saw a really bright crystalline land. So in, in any of the uh, regressions, did they describe kind of what the area of Lemuria looked like, the people, the land, and what they wore, what they lived in, and those types of things? It, in um, the actual Lemuria or when they went to Mount Shasta, a lot of my... In, actual Lemurian. A lot of my clients will remember, um, you know, it was almost primitive, but really highly advanced spiritually. And they uh, used trade. There was a lot of compassion. They remember it as nobody trying to be better than one another. A lot of storytelling. A lot of just really loving one another. It seemed really advanced as far as compassion. Um, it had these big... Uh, but there was like a flat surface in the middle of Lemuria and that's where they would kind of do their hunting from the, um, the sides all around the perimeter seemed to have kind of like uh, mountainous uh, regions to it and the, 
everybody. It was so funny because when people would be regressed, they would say, oh, I'm standing on these pebbles, these smooth pebbles, and I would think, oh, I know where you are. You know, I would think that in my head. I wouldn't tell them, but they always described the pebbles and the smooth pebbles, the stones under their feet, and then it was pretty easy, you know, as they continued through that life to tell all their but I never led them and said, oh, tell me about Lemuria. I just would always see where they would go because I was just as curious as, like, I'm sure everybody else. And I didn't want to, you know, put something out there that I didn't believe, you know. But um, when they traveled and went to um, Mount Shasta, it was a really special thing for them to go in this mountain because they had this amazing connection to the earth within the earth. And that was a different feeling than they, than you would have outside of the earth. But I have been told by many clients, subconscious, that for the for the individual client, that they should go to Mount Shasta. That just by being next to Mount Shasta, they'll re- regain a piece of themselves that's so uh, hungry for that other piece. Just that recognition, that memory that they would encounter if they went to that place, you know, of Mount Shasta. So it seems very healing for a lot of people to go there. Um, and, and then where did they where did they live and what were their structures like? In um, Lemuria, some of the old um, structures, old houses were made of stone and they were advanced. And then the newer ones were more primitive because they didn't have the technology, so to speak. So the it would re- be resources. kind of like... What? the resources like they've right. already utilized most of their resources to build the other one so right because but the palace had a very interesting structure it was definitely extraterrestrial um, in nature i mean the extraterrestrials used their technology to make it it was like the stones you know molded together and it had like this a-frame shape but the newer houses would be like wooden you know, it was thatch roof. So you had a mixture in Lemuria of like old and new. Does there, do you, is there a capital of Lemuria? And is there like a, a place where we know that it might be, or is it underwater and lost? It's mostly underwater, but you can still go to Easter Island. Yeah, yeah. And, connect, and also, you can still connect with a lot of those traditions and a lot of it. I, I wonder if Hawaii is, or those islands are just you know broken pieces off of Lemuria a lot of people say that when they go to Hawaii they can connect with that um, that energy in fact Jen after uncovering all this information moved her family back to Hawaii so she could be back to the closest place that she could <laughs> what a 180 her life changed after doing this but now she lives in Hawaii there's the definitely a, a very good vibe in Hawaii and so there is some type of, you know, spiritual um, har- harmony going on there for sure. I'm sure um, the energy would still be felt there, definitely, because yeah. energy never dies. And, and and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about Shasta and, and going underground. We're getting a little subterranean earlier. Did, was there any mention of, uh, of Bigfoot-looking things or yetis? Or? Um, not not in this book and not in pulling the information for Atlantis, but I've heard some clients say that possibly, and I don't know because I need more clients to verify it, possibly some of the uh, Bigfoot were some of the 
from Atlantis. But then again, I have also had um, he, uh, clients say that the Bigfoots are more native to the Earth than humans, because humans were brought here. You know, we're the um, we're more extraterrestrial. We're, we've lived on other planets as well, but Bigfoot are more like native. They belong here more so than we do but I've also heard they're in a different dimension so you can live on the same planet with other beings that you just can't see because they're in a different dimension I know that gets like a little bit out there but and then you can even look at um the gray aliens you know if you look at their shape and their face they are us they're just us in the future and that's what we look like in the future without a planet for millennia so you know it's all different types of <laughs> beings in this uh, figure eight game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because uh, a lot of people equate Bigfoot with like something maybe. Uh, it goes both ways. Like he's physical, then sometimes he's he's spiritual, and like. But then there's always like interactions with UFOs, or uh, like he's with. He's some in some way connected to these aliens or whatnot, and uh, even the uh, the Greys are sometimes connected with Nordics, and uh, and so then the Bigfoots would also be connected with Nordics, like almost as like these Nordic Atlanteans were the ones creating these hybrids and testing them out for different things, you know. Uh, so that's super interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because that's another thing I wanted to get into was like the alien stuff because it's um, there's a there's kind of a lot of talk about other planets and other civilizations from these different planets and and how they kind of relate to uh, what we know as current like aliens, I guess you could say in, in quotations. Um, can you kind of describe a little bit about what they talk about as far as these alien-type species look or where they're from? Um, well, the you mean where are they? I mean, from all over, basically. Well, I, I think she was talking about how they wore, like, blue oh, micro that, oh, okay. suits. In the and, book. Yeah, they were yeah. from the Pleiadian, Pleiadian star systems. And what's fascinating is my clients that have never met they don't know one another. They describe themselves from the Pleiades the same way. And it's funny sometimes because some of these clients don't know anything about aliens at all. But they all describe the same type of jumpsuit, the same, um, you know, symbols on their jumpsuit. And they describe the fact that many have different symbols according to what part of, you know, their program they're part of. But when they're on their actual planet, they don't need bodies. It's just when they come to Earth and they're in this physical, three-dimensional form that they need a body to interact with a human. But they always describe them as, you know, the same way. Yes, yeah, super fascinating. Yeah, uh, what was interesting to me is when uh, when they were talking about wearing these like blue lycra suits. It instantly remind, like made me think of like Lyrians, and and uh, I heard you say in the book that they also called Lemuria like Lemuria or Le how do you say? Oh yeah, Lemuria. You Lemuria, know, I'm sure yeah. it's all it's all connected. 
It is. Everything. So Lymeria sounds like a Lymerian, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. And so I was like, oh, that's like an alien species that people talk about. Or right. Just the like Lyrics. the Nordics is an, uh, a species of aliens that people talk about. Maybe right. it's more, maybe they're more uh, tr- um, inner, like this part of this planet than, than part of some other planet because it seems like they're, it's, it's almost mi- mimicking what was already here on the planet a long time ago. Oh, I'm sure. You know? It's so fascinating. It's so interesting. It's like, you could just keep going deep into everything and the more you you learn, it's like the more you realize that you don't know, you know? This whole uh, journey is so interesting. Yeah, um, Roman kind of cut out and and, uh, he, he froze up. Uh, I told my daughter I was going to take her to the beach. I was wondering how long your podcasts are. <laughs> uh, we were going to do another half hour, but if you want to wrap it up now, we can too. Oh, you are? Well, do you mind if I text her? Yeah. No, I should have asked you how long. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah, we usually do like a couple hours. We uh, usually do an hour and a half to two. So, uh, we'll... We'll get Roman back on. I just want to talk about one more thing, and then uh, yeah, we'll, we can start wrapping up. Oh man, I'm sorry. I should have told her. You know, hold on. Oh, it's fast. <laughs> well, well, you're in the East Coast, yeah. Yeah. So she wanted to go at it's... one o'clock, but I have. To, I mean, that's oh, ten okay. minutes from now. Okay. Ten. Ten. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm just seeing, uh, waiting for Roman to come back on, but we can keep talking. Uh, I'll just edit all this stuff out. Sorry, um, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're now we're talking about aliens and stuff. Did they? Was there any other mention of other types of uh, like aliens or galactic federations, or is there like a whole planetary? cosmological existence of colonization or whatnot? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to Definitely. Um, but mostly, you know, it was interesting because mostly when I was getting the information for the Atlantis book, it seemed that the biggest extraterrestrial presence was from the Pleiadians. And um, as I wrote the Sphinx book, it started to come from all different places so I thought that was really interesting it seemed like the Atlantis was founded um, from a Pleiadian so that was interesting but um, definitely there's so many beings from all over the place trying to help the earth in its ascension process right now and that's what most uh, beings are focused on because what affects the earth affects the whole cosmos so to speak and there does seem to be a group that call themselves the Galactic Federation and they're trying to help this Earth's ascension and trying to monitor things so that um, they can get rid of, you know, not get rid of, but allow humans to have a full experience, you know, to actually live this 3D video game and not be infiltrated by too much, you know, so there's like a monitoring everything 
And, and when you said that you had, um, you did the book with Egypt, and they, and the stars came from, or the, they came from all different types of areas and planets. What what types of uh, alien beings were you running into from the Egypt perspective? Oh my gosh, well, all different kinds. But you know what is interesting is that the beings that come through the client, they can only use the, um, the vocabulary of the client. So if that information, <clears throat> if that name of the planet isn't there in the client's vocabulary, it's very hard for them to get that planet name across. I know, uh, I didn't know. Sorry there, we lost a uh, connection, but uh, we're back here with uh, Sarah Bre uh, Breskman Cosme. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead, tell the people where they can find you at and what you got going on and all that good stuff. Um, you can find me at theholistichypnotist.com. That's my website. And you can um, get the books on Amazon and Kindle and paperback and Audible for A Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis. And I'm also on Gaia TV, if you have a Gaia subs subscription, um, I'm on Open Minds, and I'm, I have a lot of upcoming shows on Gaia TV that are super fascinating um, coming up in the next couple months, so that's going to be interesting to check out. Um, I'm speaking at the UFO conference in Laughlin, Nevada, the 11th oh. through the 14th of November, and it's so cool because we should I go run, to that, dude. I'm it's super down. cool because I run the experiencer sessions as well as I'm speaking at that conference, but these experiencer sessions are unbelievable. It's like a family group where you talk about your own experiences. Are you going to hypnotize them? Put them in um, hypnosis? No, just like contact, like ET contact. But if you ever get a chance to go to one of these meetings, I mean, it's totally confidential, but you're with a group of people talking about it. You learn more in that um, meeting than almost like throughout the rest of the conference. I mean, it's really fun and interesting, and it's great to connect with people like that. Um, yeah. I'm also sharing information showing some never-before-seen videos at the um, Worldwide Metaphysical Tribe in Illinois, which is August 11th through 14th. So you can check that out, too. But you can find out this information on my website at theholistichypnotist.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have you talked to Bashar before? No. Um, when I was speaking at the Conscious Life Expo, I got to see him. Yeah. And that was amazing. I've never, I'm, you know, I'm not a celebrity or anything. I've never met him or anything. I'm just a regular person, but he was pretty cool. You're getting up there. You, you're gonna, you're, with your books coming out, this work is amazing. You, you are a celebrity in our house. Very fascinating. Yeah. You guys are nice. Well, I just want to help people because, like I said, I started out as a mess myself. So. Yeah. Any live right. hypnosis ever? No. Huh? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm <Maybe> down. Something. <laughs> I'll be the first. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. We really appreciate your time. Very fascinating stuff going on here, too. Very fascinating uh, to connect all these different things together. Uh, you know, uh, Lemuria, Atlantis, subterranean worlds, Mount Shasta, aliens, 
All the way even to Egypt, man, and red crystals and mercury. Very fascinating. There's a lot here to chew on for everybody, so uh, it's going to be a great episode, a great way to finish up the month also. Uh, so thank you, Fire Child, for listening, and remember to wake up.